If you could wind your way back to your seats. Good morning. As we continue to worship the Lord. Um, for those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Bob Menser. I'm one of the teaching elders here. And uh, we have been in a series that's been entitled, It's Only a Test. Um, and having spoken to a lot of you, or at least a number of you over the last couple of weeks, there are tests out there, aren't there? And God is so faithful, and he wants to teach us as we go through those uh, encounters. Um, the theme for this year has been learning the ways of God. Um, and that's really essential for us as born-again Christians to learn the ways of God, not the ways of this world. And the ways of this world are quick to try and interfere. They are quick to uh, uh, jump in and challenge you uh, to say, oh, who will I trust? Will I trust my Lord and Savior? Or will I fall into the ways of the world? And <clears throat> Jeremiah um, Chapter 6, verse 16 says it this way. Thus says the Lord, stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and you'll find rest for your souls. See, God wants to teach us our ways and his ways are old ways. And he says, if you find those ways and you walk in them, there's a promise. You're going to find rest for yourself. And so, by way of uh, review, um, we've been talking about going through tests, and uh, Peter reminds us, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange things was happening to you. I mean, you're going to go through tests. Don't be surprised. Don't be shocked. It's going to come. And God is saying, I will be in the midst of that test. And I want you to learn from that my ways. Our first series was called Opportunities. It's only a test. And they are opportunities. Sometimes we don't really perceive them as opportunities. We perceive them as trouble. Not going my way. I don't like it but it's an opportunity that God puts you in for you to say, yes, Lord, I want to learn your ways through this. And one of the things that we reinforced the whole idea of, you find God testing throughout the entire scriptures. He tests, he tested Noah, Abraham, Joseph, Moses, Elijah, Esther, Gideon, the test, and they were all tested. And as we open our Bibles and see that, we have to say, God is one who tests us. He tests us in circumstances and situations. And that's why we led to the second in this series was titled Confrontation. And sometimes you come face to face with a problem. Um, and we kind of outlined uh, the four different ways that 
uh, God can test you through difficulties. Or he may ask you, demand, and for those of you who have not seen this before, I was just trying to get four Ds in there. Um, and so uh, we have difficulties. You have difficult situations, uh, demands. Sometimes God tells you to do something. And how you respond to that is what's going to be the test. And so we looked at that. Um, we looked at dollars. Dollars is always, are always a test, aren't they? This is my money. Mm, God says, no, 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 no. You, you have a wrong attitude about that. This is, <laughs> all of the earth is mine, including your money, says the Lord. But I want you to do something with your money, and sometimes he will tell us what to do. And out of all of that, we see that God is a giver. He gives. He gives to his people. He gives wealth. He gives peace. That's what he is. He's a giver, and the way of God is to give. And then we talked about uh, delays. Uh, sometimes you'll be asking God for something, and you just don't get an answer. You just don't get an answer. We talked about how when Moses was up on the mountain for 40 days and the Israelites said, hey, he's delaying. You know what we ought to do? We ought to come up with our own plan. Let's build a golden calf. What a great idea. And so sometimes in the middle of a delay, you come up with plan B. Um, and God says, that's not the plan. Uh, and believe me, I, I can speak from my own experience many a time, many a time, I have been a plan B Christian. God, I don't see you moving. I'll just take things into my own hand. That way, I know it'll be right. And uh, so, <clears throat> God will test us to help us grow. And <clears throat> Job kind of summarizes these first two lessons. He says, behold, I will go forward, but he's not there. And backward, but I can't perceive him. When he acts on the left, I cannot behold him. He turns on the right, I cannot see him. But he knows the way I take. In other words, what, what, what he's saying is God is always there. You just sometimes don't know he's there. In the midst of a situation, you say, where are you, God? Well, he's right there, Job says. And says, and when he has tried me, that's really good because I come out like gold. It is good for me to be tested because the results of that change my life. This is only a test, and today's message, whoop, I have to go back. I want to talk about Rick Warren, and I shared this last week. He wrote, God has a purpose behind every problem. Every problem that you have. You know, sometimes we just don't think our God is big enough. We don't, we don't have this perception of how, how magnificent he is. I mean, all you have to do, Psalm uh, 8 says, I, I, I look at the stars and I say, what is man that you're mindful of him? He created all of that. I was sitting on the porch the other day 
And we had, uh, we had turkeys go by, and we had deer go by, and we had eight different types of birds, and I have these little gnats are there, and I see spiders, and I'm thinking, God, you made all of these things. So you know every problem that I have. You probably know them better than I do. And Roy writes, he uses circumstances to develop our character. In fact, he depends more on circumstances to make us like Jesus than he depends on our reading the Bible. Woo! Now that's not telling you not to read the Bible. That's not saying that at all. But what it is saying is the test and the circumstances and the difficulties and the demands and the delays, they all have a purpose to bring you into a deeper relationship so that you walk in his ways. And so that when people look at you, they say, they walk, I, I, what, what kind of way are they walking in? They're walking in a different way. They are light bearers. Remember Judah taught on being light bearers. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, that the proof of your faith may be more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, and you may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When we go through these things, it is for us to be molded, to be changed into the image of God because we are image bearers and that God, of course, would get the glory. So today's message is called the outcome. So you go through a test, some sort, what's the outcome? Well, it's gonna be pretty simple. You're either gonna pass it or fail it. It's not going to be on a sliding scale of any sort. You're either gonna pass the test or fail the test, and I'm just gonna talk about three minutes on what happens when you fail the test and how you respond to that. If you fail a test, you may become hard-hearted. Your heart can become hard against God. Or you could refuse to hear what he's saying. You could throw away what he's doing. Ah, puh. I don't want to have anything that wasn't, he doesn't want me to change that way. You could neglect him. You become bitter, angry. You can become depressed. You can even become envious. Why, why does all this always happen to me and never to Alan? Look at, Alan doesn't have any troubles at all. Look at him. He doesn't have any troubles. Me, I have all sorts of troubles. I got all sorts of terrible, look at him. Oh. <laughs> and you know what happens? We develop a syndrome called pilome. Pilome is a very real syndrome. And it stands for poor little old me. <laughs> we enter in, in failures, we enter into me. Nobody loves me. God doesn't love me. Nobody. 
And that's a failure, according to scripture. You just failed. Now, God doesn't want you to fail. He wants you to pass. So now we're going to start to look at some of the things that bring about an A+. And we're going to use good old James. James 1, verses 2 to 6, and I'm going to read it all, and then we're going to break it down. He said, consider it all joy, my brother, and when you encounter various trials. Oh, man, we do not like that. But, okay, I'm not supposed to stop. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. Well, there's a lot of things that I underlined there. And the first word is, I want you to consider this. Now, do you know what it means to consider? It means I really want you to think about it. Consider this, that when you're going through something, you get to count it as joy. Oh, I'm not so sure about that. Well, I, I'm, oh, I, God, you, you've made a mistake putting that there. I'll, we'll correct that. We're going to cut the word all joy out. Oh, it's all joy, not just joy, all joy. Uh, we're going to cut that out of there. Knowing that this testing produces something in you. There's an outcome out of this, and what it produces in you is endurance. Endurance. You know, when I'm, I'm going to probably still be teaching this afternoon about 4 o'clock, so I hope you're ready. Uh, we'll take two bathroom breaks uh, and let you endure. Yeah. Endurance. Hey, wait a minute. My testing, the testing God puts me through, produces something. Endurance. Who needs endurance? Well, I'm afraid the Bible tells us we do. From Hebrews 10, therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance. What? I have need of endurance. And so God is going to test me so I can have a result of endurance in my life. So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. You need endurance. J.B. Phillips writes this. When all kinds of trials crowd into your lives, my brothers, don't resent them as intruders, but welcome them as friends. Realize that they have come to test your endurance. But let the process go on until that endurance is fully developed in you, and you will find that you have become a person of mature character. Testing these little friends. Mr. Phillips, Reverend Phillips, what do you mean they're my friends? Well, count it all joy. It's just like welcoming, welcoming new friends into your life. Oh, what a joy it is. Here they come. Well, I want to talk about a guy by the name of Henry Dempsey. And how many of you have heard of Henry Dempsey? I'm sure. (sighs) 
Man. Well, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Henry Dempsey. Henry Dempsey um, was an airplane pilot. Uh, and he flew commercial airline, uh, and he threw a, a commuter plane. Uh, he flew it between Portland, Maine, and uh, Boston. And that was his territory. That's where he flew. Uh, he flew a Beechcraft 99. That's a Beechcraft 99. Would have looked just like that. Well, one day, Henry is on his way flying a group of people, commuters from Portland to Boston, and he hears this rumbling around in the back of the cargo area. And he says, oh, cargo's broken loose. He said, I, got, I think I better go back and take care of that. So he says to the co-pilot, you watch the plane, and I'm going back and see what I can do about the stuff in the cargo. Well, he gets back there, and he notices that the cargo door has not been totally secured the way it's supposed to be, and that some of the cargo is rolling back and forth. And so he begins to set the cargo back in to secure it, and the plane hits heavy turbulence. And one of the boxes rolls over, hits the cargo door, knocks it open, and Henry is sucked out. It was a true story. Well, the co-pilot sees a red light go on his instrument panel and knows that the cargo door is open, and he probably thinks this is not a good situation. So he radios uh, the nearest airport and asks for an emergency landing, and he also has the forethought to say, you better dispatch a uh, a helicopter and see whether we can find Henry's remains. So <clears throat> they're about 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes outside of a uh, airport. Uh, the pilot lands and there's Henry. There's a ladder on the back of the airplane attached there permanently. And when Henry got thrown, uh, sucked out, he grabbed a hold of the ladder and he held on to it for 15 minutes while they were flying at 200 miles an hour. And when they landed, his head was that far off the tarmac. True story, you can Google it and look it up. They called him Hang On Hank. Now, it's a story of endurance, hanging on. And the, the newspaper article goes on to say that the emergency squad had to pry his hands off of that ladder. It's a story of endurance. You're going to hold on even in the worst of circumstances. Hold on in the worst of circumstances. And so if you're going through something, and it's pretty tough. Just hang in there. It's endurance. It produces something in you. It produces character in you so that you're not blown around by every wind of doctrine. Uh, Isaiah 40 says, those who wait, and that word wait, and we've talked about it before, is a, an entwining. Uh, those who connect with God, who intertwine with God, 
um, those who intertwine for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Now, that's a picture of endurance. And it's a picture of endurance. The more you have entwined yourself with the Lord, the promise is you will build endurance. You will be strong. Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the races set before us. See, Scripture is telling us how important endurance is. Count it all joy when you fall into various tests, my brethren, because endurance produces something in you produces character, produces maturity, so that you're not tossed about, oh, poor me, poor me, I'm suffering from pilom. By the way, I made that up, so don't, don't go into any of the medical stuff and look for it. It's not there, okay? Timothy, um, Paul writing to Timothy says, you know, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. See, there's a sense of, you know, sometimes we talk uh, among the eldership uh, about finishing the race. And we want to finish the race strong. You know, and that's what Paul's saying. Hey, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. I've, 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 I've endured. You know, and that's one of the things, too, that I appreciate what Jen was saying this morning. Uh, when Paul's writing to the Philippians, and we had this scripture last week, he says, I, you know, Bob's paraphrase here. When, when things are really going good, I learned... I learned to endure. And then he says, and when things got really bad, no matter what the circumstances, you know something? I learned something. And then he said the secret to both having a lot, having no problems, and having all kinds of problems, you know what that is? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's that intertwining. So, okay. Scripture says, that you may be perfect and complete. You know, well, I'm going to tell you what K. Arthur says, maybe. K. Arthur writes this, the test has come not because God desires to hurt you or to make you miserable or to demoralize you, or to ruin your life, or to keep you from knowing happiness. He wants you to be perfect and complete in every aspect, lacking nothing. It's not the easy times that make you more like Jesus. It's the hard times. Well, ain't this a happy little <laughs> sermon? 
that's the truth of it. That word perfect, and I'm certainly not either a Hebrew or a Greek scholar, but basically it means to be complete, to be perfect, to be blameless, or without blemish. And it's a, it's a common word in the scriptures because that's what the sacrificial lamb that they took into the day on the day of atonement was to be. It was to be spotless. It was to be blameless, innocent. And so when James writes to us telling us to be perfect and complete, to be blameless, he's charging us with a task. Now, just bear with me. Blamelessness is both a gift and a duty. Okay? You are blameless. Woo! You are. Colossians 1.22 tells us, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless beyond reproach. Beyond reproach, without any sort of disappointment, without any disapproval. You, you are blameless, and that's who you are. Woo! That's good. But... Philippians says, do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. So I'm charged with not grumbling and disputing that I may prove myself, that I may show myself one who is blameless and innocent. And so when you go through this test, this test says, prove yourselves to be children who are blameless and complete when you go through the test. Brethren, 1 Peter tells us, two, chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent. Prove yourself to be blameless. Prove yourself to be complete among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may on account of your good deeds as they observe them glorify God in the day of visitation. See, you are a light in a dark place. And if you join them in grumbling and complaining, and come into that culture, you are not proving yourself to be blameless. Keep your behavior excellent. People are watching you. People watch you. You, Ephesians tell us, were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists of goodness and righteousness and truth. Walk as children of light. That's the charge. Now, 2 Timothy, be diligent to prove yourself approved to God. As a workman who does not need to be ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth. See, that word diligent means you don't, you don't, you don't slough off. Well, 
It's Saturday. I guess I'll have to go to church tomorrow. Jeez. And then they're gonna, some guy's going to talk for 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 minutes. And then, then what am I going to do? Well, he wants me to learn endurance. I'll learn endurance that way. But I'm not going to pay attention to anything he says. I'm not going to be diligent. I'm not going to walk out of here and say, it's only a test. It's, test, it's an opportunity. It's a confrontation. What's the outcome of this test that I'm going to go through? And I've told you my own test, for those of you who haven't heard it. I mean, I only tell you the ones I pass. I won't tell you the ones I failed. And, hey, man, I don't want to be like him. You know, and that's true of Scripture. If you really look at Scripture, uh, we've been working our way through the Old Testament, as you can tell. Um, and, uh, man, those guys were flawed. I mean, they're, they're, they're just like me. They're flawed. You know, and you think, why did you put these guys? And we wouldn't, if they weren't flawed, we wouldn't even have a Bible. I mean, right from Adam and Eve, you know, they screwed up. Abraham, what was the first charge of Abraham? Abraham, I want you to leave your relatives, your father, and go to a country which I will show you. Did he leave? Yeah. Oh, he took Lot with him. Wait a minute, was leave your relatives. Where did he go? He went to live with his father in Haran for five years. They're flawed. We're flawed. But God says, I want to teach you to walk in my ways. I want you to be diligent to see that you are approved. We are ambassadors. And as you leave here today, I am christening you all as ambassadors of Christ. Wow. And that means that when you leave, you're going to be tested and that you're going to need to be a light and that you're going to say, I represent. You know what the ambassador is? An ambassador is somebody who represents the country. You represent your Savior. I keep going past that. I tried to use it last week and I said I'd try it, I'll use it this week and I'm passing on it this week and I'll use it some other time. But you are, well, just, won't, just a, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That's who you are. A royal priest, that's a kingly priest. You ever hear of another kingly priest? Hmm, yeah, and that's who he has made us. Okay, we'll talk more about that another time. <clears throat> now, I should be able to go back, but I, I, I didn't prepare a slide there. The passage says, we, we love, I'm going to go back. Sorry. Maybe I'm not. Oh, don't you hate that when that happens, Alan? I do. Never mind. I need somebody to read the first, I need somebody to read James to me. James 1. Right loud. I don't remember... I've I got to get to wisdom. And the important point, the important point here is that we love to say, if any man lacks wisdom, ask God. And we take it totally out of context. So you understand, you are going through a testing. 
And because you're going through a testing, it's important for you to ask God for wisdom. Oh, there it is. How'd you guys do that? I'm holding this. You don't have to read it now. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result that you may be blameless and complete, lacking in nothing. Now look, you know, we love to take this right out of context. But if any will act wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all men generously because he's a giver. And he does it without blaming you, without, without any sort of disapproval. See, when I'm in the middle of a trial, about the last thing I do is decide that I need to ask God for wisdom because I am so smart that I can figure it out myself. And that's not what the scripture says. You need to ask God for wisdom. How do I get through this thing? What do I do, Lord? I am asking for wisdom. I, I love what, no, now, uh, take me back down to Daniel. There we are, thank you. You guys are spectacular. Um, you guys passed the test. <laughs> Let the name, this is what Daniel says, Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever. All wisdom and power belong to him. You know that all wisdom and power belong to God? It's not just words, it's truth. And it is he who changes the time and the epics. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. He's pretty wise. And when you are being tested, the scripture says, ask for wisdom. God, I don't know what to do. Oh, he does. And I'm too busy, me, I'm too busy figuring it out myself and I forgot to ask the one who already knows the end from the beginning. So, Proverbs, you want to catch up on your wisdom. My son, if you will receive my sayings and treasure my commands within you, make your ear attentive to, attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding, for if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright, for the blameless, for you. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Ask God for wisdom. Be wise. Don't be foolish. All you have to do is read a couple of paragraphs in Proverbs and you're going to hear, don't be dumb. Well, John Wayne, I think he said this. Life is hard. It's harder when you're stupid. How true. <laughs> the Duke, I don't know whether he really said that or not, but I read that somewhere that he said it. And, you know, and that's what, that's, what, that's what James is telling you. When you're going through some troubles, they, have a, they want to have an outcome. 
They want to produce in you endurance. They want to make you blameless and perfect. And you know how you can help get through that? You just have to ask. Ask for wisdom. Life is hard, but it's easier with God's wisdom. Jeremiah 8 says, The wise men are put to shame. They are dismayed and caught. Behold, they have rejected the word of the Lord. And what kind of wisdom do they have? See, we really need to be people who are like the slide picture I have. God wants to, you to use his strength, his ability, his power, so that his glory can be revealed through you. Ask him for wisdom. I'm going through some tough times, God. I don't know what to do. He does. He does. See, Moses writing, I have taught you statutes and judgments just as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do thus in the land where you are entering to possess it. So keep and do them for that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes. And you know what they're going to say? If you're walking in the word of God, if you're walking in his ways, this is what they will say. Surely, Alan, surely, Josh, surely, Jen, is a wise and understanding people or person. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God whenever we call on him? Or what great nation is there that has statutes and judgments as righteous as this whole law which I am setting before you today? See, God has his word and he's set it before you and he says, I want you to walk in these statutes. And people will say something. They'll say, Wow. How'd you get so smart? I'm not really smart, but I know the one who is. And I ask for things. But the wisdom from above is first pure and then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. And I kind of broke that all down to those things. The wisdom from above is, first of all, practical. It's divine. It's God-breathed. And it's Christ-like. That's the that's the wisdom you need to walk down here. And then, I'm going to test you guys. Oh, they fell asleep. I want you to go back to James. No. B. You're going to get a C. Hurry up. C. Ah, okay. <laughs> I'm so thankful that you guys put up with me. <laughs> Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let your endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks something, if you're lacking wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach. He doesn't, he's not going to blame you for asking him. He's not going to attack you. Ask him, and it'll be given to him. And then let him ask in faith without any doubting. See, 
all of that put together, oh, you're up to a B, maybe an A minus. They got me right back where I was. See, if you're going to ask for wisdom, don't just throw it out there. Well, I need wisdom, God. Attach something to it. You attach your faith to it. Don't doubt that he's going to give it to you. And that's what, that's what James is saying. Hey, ask for wisdom, but don't just throw it out there. Ask in faith. Ask believing that God will answer you. A.W. Pink writes this. Faith endures as seeing him who is invisible. Endures the disappointments, the hardships, and the heart attacks of life. Heartaches of life, not the heart attacks. Heartaches of life. But recognizing that all comes from the hand of him who is too wise to err and too loving to be unkind. Isn't that a great statement? No matter what you're going through, God knows what it is, and he wants to bring you through it in his ways. And he's too wise to make a mistake, and he's too loving to be unkind. So don't get into the pilom. Oh, poor me. No. Oh. I, I'm going to ask God for wisdom in the midst of this situation, this trial. And I'm going to ask in faith because God loves faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. And he's given... Oh, wait a minute. I got wrong slide. Don't... Charles Spurgeon writes, if we cannot believe God when circumstances seem to be against us, we do not believe him at all. Woo! Do you believe God? Even in the toughest times. God has allotted to each a measure of faith. So you have no excuse. I don't have enough faith. Yes, you do. He's given you faith. He's given you a measure of faith. So when you ask, you apply that little measure, if it's little or big, in asking for wisdom. In the midst of a storm, Abraham believed in the Lord and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. That's our call. Walk in faith. It's not a teaching on faith, but it's a time to exercise faith when you are in the midst of a trial and have asked for wisdom and ask believing he will give it to you. Proverbs 3, 5 and 8 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. See, if you're off the path, he'll bring you back onto the path with a few tests. And you may not pass them all, but when you do, you'll say, Woo! Thank you, Lord. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bone. We'll close with what Job had to say. And you remember Job. Job went through a lot of stuff. He lost his children. He lost his possessions. He lost his health. And you remember what his wife said. 
Job, if I were you, I would just curse God and die. But he didn't. And here's what he said. He knows the way I take. When he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot has held fast to his path. I have kept his way and not turned aside. I have not departed from the command of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. It's only a test. It's only a test. It's only a test intended to have a positive outcome. It's only a test that will bring you closer to the ways of God. It's a test that will say, oh man, could I ever get back at him? And God would say, no, you're supposed to turn the other cheek. You're supposed to love your enemies. But you don't know. Oh, that's the start of the PLO. But you don't know, God, how nasty my boss was to me. Yeah, I do. And I want to see how you're going to respond. God loves us. He wants to have us walk in his ways. He wants to give us opportunities to walk in the path that he has for us. And he does that by giving us little tests. I have kept his way and not turned aside. That, I hope, will be your statement when you are tested. And he'll test you. He'll test you. We are about to enter into a time of communion. Uh, is going to come and lead us in that. But I want you to also think about Think about the one who has called you out of darkness and into his light, that you may walk in his ways. You were dead, and he made you alive. You were lost, and he found you. And he said, I'm, I'm doing all of this for you, that you will walk in my ways, that you will keep your feet straight in the path. And so when we take communion, we take it with that in mind. How much he has done. This is my body. This is my blood. And I probably have done everything that Walsa was going to do. But come and lead us in communion. Because you've got to shut me up here. <laughs>